What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Hammock. Daniel, it's game week. I know Dude. last week was like kind of game week. I kind of hate, I, I feel blasphemous saying this as a college football fan. I don't love week zero just because it's yeah. just like, it's not a full week. Right. So it's, it's diet week one, you know, it's game week. It's game week. It's this official. one is game week. There's a reason that there's the hype around this week. People counting down to college football for the most part, we're counting down to this week itself. Last week, hey, I'm not going to complain that we had football on, yeah. but I my problem is calling that one, you know, the start of college football because I, I didn't block off my schedule. You know, there was stuff happening. There were birthday parties to be had. So, you know, if they if someone had a, a wedding last weekend, I would have, you know, I would have considered it at least. So <laughs> now before we talk about week one, we are going to pick seven games so this is your first season listening to the extra point we pick what we consider to be the seven best games of the week we pick those games against the spread we'll mention some other games that we don't pick luckily it wasn't really hard actually it was kind of hard to pick seven good games this week week one is not as stacked as it has been the last few years since we've done the podcast um but before we get to week one daniel any big takeaways from week zero any any overreactions uh to the week zero games that we did have yeah, I think, um, well, a couple of games, well, gosh, well, I guess there's something to be said about all three games that I actually watched, or at least kept tabs on. Uh, thank you, Pac-12 Network, could not watch USC. Um, but USC's defense, still going to just be waiting on USC to have a defense, or really just Lincoln Riley in general to have a defense to go along with his offense. I'm I'm concerned that's just going to keep holding them back. We already kind of invalidated, I guess, a point that we were already making with our predictions for the Pac-12. Um, going alongside that, Notre Dame. I mean, we all expected them to handle uh, Navy, but the dominant fashion in which they did it kind of gave me some uh, juice to, hey, maybe they might be you know, a college football playoff contender this year. They might be able to run their schedule and and get to that place. So I uh, definitely feel good about where the Irish are. I know that, you know, it's, it's a home game, a true home game for them. And, you know, Navy uh, definitely an overwhelmed opponent, but it was it was definitely a dominating performance for the Irish. Yeah, my overreaction to Navy-Notre Dame is I'm not going to overreact about Notre Dame's dominance because Navy's defense was very bad. I mean, I think when they just lined up at the line of scrimmage, it was like, oh, okay. Like, that's how this is going to (laughs) go. Just like, you just kind of looked at the offensive line because their defensive line, and it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, this, they don't have to throw a pass today. Um, Right. But I I do want to say, like, it was, it's good when good teams who are supposed to dominate go out and just take care of business, no drama. And Notre Dame did it, 42-3. Sam Hartman looked really, really good. Um, The freshman wide receivers looked really, really good, which I think they need to click for Notre Dame to be a college football playoff contender. Um, So Notre Dame took care of business. Like, very good start for Notre Dame. I don't want to take anything away from that. That was a perfect start. Um, I'm just going to hold the, oh, my gosh, national title contender reaction 
until a few. They get Ohio State week four, so we're gonna yeah. we're gonna know early we'll on in the out. season. We're gonna find out how good Notre Dame is. Um, yeah, USC. Um, you know, for a team that all off season has dealt with, like, hey, how's the defense gonna be? Um, didn't really inspire any confidence that it's gonna be any better. <laughs> I didn't think it was terrible, but it's also like. All right, twenty-eight points against a uh, G five opponent doesn't really get, inspire a lot of confidence when you got to play five of the other, you know, best teams in the Pac twelve on the back half of your schedule. Um, yeah, didn't inspire a whole lot of confidence for me. Um, I mean, San Jose State had six explosive plays. Um, yeah, it was just for the defensive additions that they've made. It was kind of like. You would expect I don't I don't expect them to have everything together. I wasn't expecting a shutout. I, I just it just felt like they were content to just keep outscoring them and just keep running up the field with them rather than trying to dig in and stop them. Yeah. Um also poor tackling was back for USC. So that uh that didn't inspire any confidence either. Um I'm a little concerned about Vanderbilt, Daniel. Um, had that as one of my best win total bets of the season. That didn't inspire a whole lot of confidence for me. I did hear the they hailed like three or four defensive starters out of the game as a precaution. Yeah. Still too close for comfort for a team that I'd like to see go over the win total by like week five. <laughs> also a weird start with the lightning delay and all this playing yeah. in a not really your home stadium playing at a high school field. I don't want to write they, it all They off. played at home. Oh, they yeah. played it. They played. I'm saying they played it at the football stadium. Like the, there was just construction all around. Was there? Yeah. I was oh, like okay. watching and I was like, Oh, I was like, they're, they're at home. It was just like crazy construction. You needed a hard hat to be luckily. They were all, they were all wearing helmets on the field. Yeah, because I so think that would have been uh, required. Just the the video board held up by cranes, um, you know, <laughs> blowing in the store. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was crazy. So, all that to be said, I mean, I think gut, you know, gutsy win, and you know, you have to factor in everything that's going on with Hawaii and Maui, and like the whole, you know, they're definitely more fight for them than you would expect uh, normally in other circumstances. So. Right. It's tough to write it all off, but let's give Vanderbilt the benefit of the doubt. Next next time they go out, that's maybe more of a true evaluation. We'll see. Love it. Um, Daniel, before we pick our seven games, what's a game we're not picking that you're excited to watch this weekend? Jacob, I know I'm usually not prepared for this, and I usually have to frantically scroll to remember which games I'm excited about. But with anticipation, we've been hunkering down and ready for this week one for so long. It wasn't until recently that I picked this game, though, because I think we do are picking the very best games. There's not a lot of juice on these other games, but one that has recently got some juice, it is the Miami Bowl. All right. Miami of Ohio traveling down to Miami Gardens, Hard Rock Stadium, take on the Hurricanes. And... QB1 for Miami of Ohio recently quoted as saying, 
something along the lines of we're the real Miami and someone asking, why do you say that? Is it because they were, you were first or what's the reasoning? And he said, well, we're going to show them on September 1st. So, I mean, they want some, that sounds like a guarantee to me. So I'm always for guarantees. Miami, Florida is a 16 and a half point favorite. Um, I'm not going to back away from a guarantee from a, a lesser opponent, you know, so that, I mean, winners should just get the name. I mean, I, the loser has to go by something else. That'd be a good, uh, like there's some stakes in the line, not just a win loss. It's like you, you lose the name of your school. <laughs> yeah. Like Ohio, Miami of Ohio would just become like Southern Ohio university. And then Miami would be <laughs> South right. Florida university. Not University of South say, Florida. Okay, I was like, th- there is a... South Florida University. <laughs> I did think this through a little bit. Even though the University of South Florida is not really in South Florida. Uh, it's kind yeah. of in the middle of Florida. <laughs> kind of makes no sense. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, how about Nebraska-Minnesota? We, we get a conference matchup in the Big Ten. Um, Dangle, did you know that Minnesota had like a top 15 opponent just defense last year in the country? I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, Nebraska, you know, Matt Rule in, at Temple and Baylor has been, like, historically very bad in year one. Um, I don't know if they necessarily tank. I don't think so. But I also think the situation is very, very different than taking mm-hmm. over Temple and Baylor, um, not just because of the transfer portal, but I think because of the expectations of Nebraska and, like, expectation to win now in the Big Ten. So, and a wide-open division. Um like Wisconsin's the betting favorite, and it's kind of, it's year one of their staff, so that's only a seven point line. Very much looking forward to that game. Love that it's a conference game. Also Thursday night, so we got like two really good matchups on Thursday night. The other one we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. I was um, worried we were only going to have one screen on at a time, but this ensures we're going to have two on. Hundred percent. That's right, and this one's on Fox. Uh, other one being on ESPN or is it ABC? Uh, I think it's ESPN. Yeah. Yeah. ESPN. This is Fox. Yep. The one you're talking about. Yep. Yep. You're right. And they're both at eight o'clock. Love it. Pumped. Daniel, let's get into it. Before we do, I just wanted to, to brag on the pod for a second because do it. we want, you know, we want to give you good info. Not just our opinion, although we we love just giving our opinion. We love just talking ball like everybody else does. Um, but last year, Daniel, I pulled up our records. Um, we publicly pick games, so it's out there for people to see. We can't just say we picked the winner. Um, Daniel, I went fifty eight percent against the spread. You went fifty two percent against the spread last year. Um, that's great as a podcast to be above five hundred because we're not just picking like the best bets. Like we're not just picking out the game that we feel like we have an edge in on a line. Yeah, there's no we're cherry picking, picking here. That's we're right. Going. We just pick the seven best games every week. We get the lines as they are. We got to make picks, not just of who's going to win, but against the spread. So to be above 500 at all is really impressive. So I just think you should use our podcast to inform your, your picks throughout the week. When you're talking ball with your friends, just remember that you're getting really good info here on the extra point. I think that's the best way to go. I think, um, you know, we've got, we've got insight. We've got statistics. You're going to give them to them. And uh, always, 
you know, <laughs> we follow we follow this more, you know, even as a national group, you know, when we look nationally at as more than a casual, you know, and that's just something we're looking at these lines. We're figuring out what's going on. I mean, we're not 100 percent. Obviously, you just mentioned 52 and 58 percent. But, you know, that shows that shows a dedication, I think, to what we're doing. So definitely good stuff. Um, we're in the black, so we're in the black. That's important. Um, Daniel, it's week one. Let's go ahead and talk about our first matchup. One of the biggest non-conference games of the season happening in week one. It was a classic last year in the swamp. Now we take the return trip to Utah on a Thursday night. Utah playing host to Florida. Um, year two of Billy Napier. You know, year one of Graham Mertz. Hey, Graham Mertz stand Daniel Hammock, uh, former, former Graham Mertz stand. <laughs> Daniel Hammock, uh, Back is, in the Cam, day. is Cam Rising going to play? We still don't know. Uh, Kyle Whittingham has not given us much info on that. The line we've got, I know it's come down since then, but uh, the line we've got is seven and a half points. Utah favored over Florida. Daniel, our first game of the season. Where are you going? Yeah, this one, I mean, the big the big story is is Cam Rising. Is he gonna play? How much is he gonna play? Uh something announced today was that he's lo- he's listed on the depth chart as TBD. So, you know, there's not really a a, a definitive I would I would venture to guess that he's not gonna play. Um and that they're just going to go with the backup. And I believe the second string guy was hurt as well or dealing with something. So I think they're actually on their third string QB. All this to be said, Utah is not built only on their quarterback. Cam Rising is the guy we know because he's been playing there for a year and a half already as a starter. Um, and, you know, this was a, a good, well-coached team all around anyways. Um, thought. Utah was going to beat Florida last year in the swamp. Florida ended up with Anthony Richardson having that last final drive, winning the game, doing their thing. This is in Salt Lake City. This is a tough place to go win a football game if you're not the Utes. So I think Utah is going to win this game. Obviously, we're talking about the line. We've got seven and a half is is our spread right now that we've got listed here on a uh, um, where we got these games at. I'm going to lean to Utah because I think Florida is in just such a a rebuild um, mode where they've actually taken an additional step back from last year, even though this is technically year two for Billy Napier. I think the transition of what they've got going and, you know, I, I like the fact that they're going to be starting an experienced quarterback on the road. They're not bringing in like a freshman or anything like that, but you know, it's less than inspiring the the guys they're bringing. Um, Utah should beat them and should beat them handily. This line has it baked in, you know, that Cam Rising may not play, most likely will not play. So I'm going to lay seven and a half and I'm going to take Utah because um, I could see this one potentially getting out of hand. Man, I was just trying to see if there was any recent, you know, New info about Cam Rising. Look, yeah, I just looked it up too. I think that so he spoke to the media today, said he feels pretty darn good. 
was in pads practicing today. I don't I don't think he goes. Um I think the I think Vegas has known this for a while though, that Cam Rising might not go. Um I think that was baked into the line to begin with when it was at nine, but we'll see if that matters. Um QB two is shirt up. Like they're healthy now at quarterback outside of Cam Rising, which is good for Utah. Um Florida is starting a true freshman at left tackle, which I think is actually a good thing for Florida. That means he beat out uh, like some guys who they brought back and that's a mega talented freshman. Um, what version of Graham Mertz do we get? Do we get week one, 2020 against Illinois Graham Mertz that had us standing Graham Mertz? Um, do we get like last year's Graham Mertz that was throwing a lot of interceptions uh, at, at Wisconsin? Um, that's really important. Like Utah is so good at home. Like their record against the spread at home is crazy. Uh, it's one of the best home field advantages in college football. Like Bud Elliott said, it's one of the few that he manually has had to adjust on his power rating to give Utah like one and a half to two more points than normal, like home field advantage because their record at home is just insane. I don't know if it's the mountain air, if it's the crowd, whatever it is, Utah is doing something right at home. You know, when you're betting college football, seven is such an important number um, because you hardly ever win games by like eight, nine. It's usually like, you know, three is an important number, four, seven, ten. Seven and a half is such a weird line. I think Utah wins this game. I don't see Utah losing this game at home. I think they're a better team than Florida. I think that they're deeper on the lines of scrimmage than Florida is right now, although Florida's mega athletic. Like, this might be some of the best line of scrimmage teams Utah faces all season outside of, like, Oregon. Um, and which is funny because, you know, Florida's going to have, like, middle-of-the-pack line of scrimmage play in their own conference. But it'll be probably the best one Utah sees all season in week one. Um, seven and a half is too big of a number. I'm taking Florida against the spread. I'm taking Utah to win at home. Like, I think they can win by seven. Like, honestly, this is six yeah. and a half. I'd take Utah. Like, it's one of those... Weird lines that 100% if it was six and a half, I'm taking Utah. I think Utah wins by a touchdown. I really am going to pick Florida because of that half point. I think the half point's going to be important. It's an important one. Yeah. Because I think it's going to be a low scoring game as well. There's a chance of rain. I think both defensive units are better than the offensive units on, on both sides of the ball. Um, I could see this being like a 24 21 game. And maybe Utah's look like the best team all game, just super low scoring. So at seven and a half, I'm going to take Florida. Um, against the spread, I like Utah to win. Nice middle there. Yeah. Friday night in Atlanta in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, uh, Georgia Tech playing host to Louisville. Uh, Louisville comes in as a seven-and-a-half-point favorite on the road, year one of Jeff Brom, year one of Brent Pry. So some year one head coaches taking it on in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Where are you going to this one, Daniel? Yeah, Brent Key at Georgia Tech. Um, Not Brent Pry. Brent Pry at Virginia Tech. They're both Tech and they're both Brent. (laughs) You're good. Um, I am interested to see how he starts the season because obviously he took over last year and that toughness that he exudes, it really, I mean, it caused them to win a couple of games against ranked opponents that they shouldn't have won. Uh, that you wouldn't have expected last year. They hung with some teams that they they probably shouldn't. 
and they really struggled to keep any of their quarterbacks healthy last year. Um, I am encouraged that they named Haynes King the starter a week ago. Um, this is something that I was, frankly, I was thinking Zach Pyron was the guy for Georgia Tech. He had the best camp um, and he had the best spring and then had started the best fall camp from what I had heard. Uh, Haynes King really came on strong and had to win this job. He had to go out and win. And apparently after that second scrimmage, it just was enough. And it showed that he was ready to take that lead. What it does for this team, though, is Haynes King has that running ability. And I think that in this Buster Faulkner offense, I think they're going to really lean on having a dual threat quarterback that can kind of, you know, get them out of some stuff if the offensive line isn't quite up to where it needs to be. I think wide receiver is going to be a strength this year for Georgia Tech. Um, I've, obviously, I've had uh, – they're they're one of my teams to watch. I'm, I've bought bought some stock on them previously already. Um, I, have, I have picked Georgia Tech to win this game previously when we were doing the ACC preview. I am going to stick with that. I think Louisville is going to be improved this year, and I think Brian Brom is – a good coach. I mean, I think he's a, a upgrade and he's coming home as Jeff Brom, excuse me, Brian Brom's QB coach uh, and offensive coordinator. Uh, Jeff Brom though, um, you know, great play caller and all this kind of stuff, developing quarterbacks. I think they're going to do a good job um, at Louisville. Both coaches though, kind of starting out from scratch. This is somewhat of a home game for Georgia tech. I know it's not on their home turf, but at Mercedes Benz stadium um, on a Friday night, I think George Tech wins outright, and so I'm going to get seven and a half points. I think that that's a safe bet. Also, for a lot of the things you mentioned on the previous one, that seven and a half, I feel good even if George Tech didn't win covering with the seven and a half. But, you know, if I'm going to pick them to win outright, I'll take the seven and a half points as a bonus. Yeah, this is two games with a, uh, with a key line here because at seven and a half – I'm just sitting here going like, dude, this point spread is about seven points off because this game should be two touchdowns at least for Louisville. This is my best bet of the week. I think Louisville should be a 13 and a half point favorite. Um, I really do think the spread's off by a touchdown. I think Louisville is going to roll on Friday night against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, I think, is going to have a bottom 30 offense in college football. Like, the roster was depleted. I think they played hard for Brent Pry at the end of the year. I Brent think it key. showed that, goodness, Brent Key, I'm going to get it right. Um, <laughs> I think that it showed like how much they didn't enjoy Jeff Collins, and like a, it was like a morale, like hey, let's show him that we had more in the tank. It's like trolling um, Jeff Jeff Collins by them playing so hard down the stretch. Yeah, like hey, we didn't want to play for you, but we'll play for this guy. Um, I think it's important for your team. Like it's cool to have an alum as your head coach. Like, I just think these rosters are very different. I think Louisville is the, now I think it's the worst kept secret in the ACC because if you look at their schedule and who they avoid because of no divisions, like Louisville's got the easiest path to like be the third best team in the ACC this year based on record. Uh, but Vegas caught on. Win totals at eight and a half for a reason. Um, and this is one of those games where, I, you know, if you look at power ratings, Louisville should be a two touchdown favorite. And Scares me a little bit because I'm like, what does Vegas see? I mean, heck, Bill Conley has like this as like a 14 and a half point line of SP plus. He usually has baked into the Vegas line. So I don't get it. 
I'm going to go ahead and confidently say, based on advanced stats that I like and look at, and is how I feel about both teams, that I think this game is like a touchdown off on the spread. And I think Louisville rolls on Friday night. And Jeff Brom has a quarterback that's played for him before in his system. Um, he took over a roster that was not depleted. Like, they weren't awful last year. You know, Scott Satterfield left because he saw the writing on the wall because they weren't doing a lot with their players. Um, Louisville wanted Jeff Brown before they hired Scott Satterfield. Like, and he he wasn't ready to commit then. So it's cool that, you know, both co- you know both coaches are alone with their schools, which will be cool in this game. But I don't think Georgia Tech's ready for week one against Louisville. I You know, I just don't think it's a good matchup for Georgia Tech. So I'll take Louisville to win, Louisville to cover. Let's go to Seattle. Underrated game this week. Washington, Boise State. Uh, of course, Boise State, like historically, a really gr- good group of five program, but really haven't been that great since like Brian Harshin took over. Um, you know, it's like the second orange and blue program that he kind of drove into the ground um, compared to expectation. And it's a miracle they hired him at Auburn still. Uh Andy Avila is looking for a bounce back. The Boise State looking like one of the better group of five teams this year. This game only a 14 and a half point spread, which uh, surprised me a little bit when I looked at it. But Boise State expected to be pretty good this year. Washington at home. How are you feeling about this game in Seattle, Daniel? Yeah, I think this I think this is a statement game. Uh, obviously, this is the uh, Chris Peterson Bowl. That's right. Um, so, you know, they both are famous for Chris Peterson um, going from Boise state to Washington and being successful both places um, really getting that Boise program create, you know, up on, you know, solid ground and everything like that. Washington, if they are the team that we are expecting them to be, if they are the team that, you know, is going to be one of these challenging for the PAC 12 championship potential playoff dark horses, um, you know, kind of a media darling to a certain extent. But really, I mean, just they had a great, you know, really good season last year, return a lot of that team this year. Um, a lot of it's going to be on the production returning from QB with Michael Penix Jr. and as well as the receivers. Um, I mean, four 600 yards uh, through the air. That's just, you know, that's special. I think – 14 and a half, these lines, man, you know, we talk about how important they are. You really, at this point, you're just like, hey, is Washington going to blow them out or not? Are they going to run away with it? They're going to score. I know they could win, you know, 17 or whatever and, and get it, but I'm thinking three touchdowns. That's kind of where my mind is. Are they that, is that this t- kind of game for me to feel comfortable with Washington? And it is. I think that if they're the team we're expecting them to be, I'm going to lay these points with Washington. I think that they go out there and they make a statement in week one and kind of announce to the college football world, um, you know, we're here and we're, we're the, you know, we're the best team in the PAC 12. That's what they're, they're out there to announce. Uh, We're not going anywhere. They're going to try to prop up Michael Penix to be in that Heisman run. I think he's going to throw a lot of touchdowns this year. This is one of those games where he's going to pad the stats a little bit. I think he's going to do it against Boise state. Um, uh, Boise may hang out, hang on for a little bit, but it, they'll they'll wear out, and you know Washington will pull away in the second half, um, and you'll you'll see this be 
I think at least a 21 point victory for the Huskies, but it could be, it could be big. Yeah. I'm with you. I, you know, I picked Washington to play for the PAC 12 championship this year. Uh, I have very high expectation. I'm a, I'm a little worried about that pick given that, uh, Bud Elliott was talking about this week that they were one of, if not the healthiest team in college football last year. And he doesn't know if they can sustain a couple injuries if it happens, which it's inevitable in, in football. Um, but it's week one. We don't have to worry about injuries in week one. Um, yeah, Washington lost a running back for the season. I don't think it's going to matter in a game like this. I'm with you on that. Uh, this is a game that's important to get some stats and some reps in week one, like against another team. And Boise State is not like, they're not an FCS opponent. They're also not like a bottom 10 opponent in FBS. Like this is a team you have to take seriously. So I don't think Washington, if I think they're able to win by three scores, like I don't think there's a risk of them taking their foot off the gas and letting this creep back in to be two touchdowns because I think they know this is a losable game, like if they don't take it seriously. So because of that, and because I do think they're at least 17 points better, um, and there's no risk of the backdoor cover, I'm also going to take Washington. Uh, I think this is at least a 17-point game for Washington. So that gets me over the 14-and-a-half. I like Washington to win and cover in this one. We then go to North Carolina, South Carolina. Is this game at Williams-Brice, or is it neutral? No, it's it's Duke's Mayo Classic. So it's that's in right. That's right. It's in Charlotte. Um, I forgot about that. Yep. So North Carolina and South Carolina, the Battle of the Carolinas. Winner gets to call themselves Carolina for the rest of the year. Loser can't. They got to use the directional uh, in front. Uh, and the Duke's Mayo Classic in Charlotte. Where are you going in the in the Mayo kickoff? <laughs> yeah, this one. So if we're just going off of Mayo. I think Shane Beamer is the most comfortable with the Mayo because I <laughs> believe he's had a Mayo bath before. Um, I can't remember if it was a kickoff or a bowl game, but bowl game. Not, okay. <laughs> he yeah, was the first so, one to get it. So he's a vet. He knows what he's doing. So if we go off of that, it's easy. South Carolina lean. Um, you and I have both been skeptical of North Carolina with the offense changing with Phil Longo leaving you know, some of these receivers coming out the door is just, you know, Drake May, we both think he's great. We, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I mean, I, I do think he's going to be a, a top half of the first round QB uh, next year. I think he may may drop off a little bit, though, may not be in that top five like we're expecting because I think there might be some rough games this year. I think this might be one of them uh, against South Carolina. Now, I don't know if this is necessarily me having a vote of confidence in Spencer Rattler. Um, I do know, like we've we've you know documented the second half of last year for for South Carolina, or I, not even really the second half, the last couple games uh, of the regular season, and then the bowl game against Notre Dame. Offense looked good, so um, definitely you know think that if Spencer Rattler can be any sort of consistent, that this team can you know, do good things for South Carolina. And I have been the one I've been on the opposite side saying, I'll believe it when I see it. And Shane Beamer keeps proving me wrong. So this is the kind of game that he wins. This is a big pride game. And I think it's big for recruiting. It's big for the region, all those kinds of things. North Carolina's ranked. South Carolina's not. North Carolina has, you know, thought to be a surefire top five pick. South Carolina is not. So 
I'm interested to see what happens. I think South Carolina either wins or it's close. And so they get two and a half points. North Carolina's, you know, laying two and a half. So I'm going to take South Carolina plus the points. Um, I think the carry on joiner is now starting that running back for them this year. I think I saw that uh, this week where he's going to be running with the first team. It's crazy to think an elite 11 QB came into South Carolina five, six years ago, whatever it was, as quarterback was backup, turned into receiver. Then he had to play quarterback a little bit when guys got hurt. And now this whole offseason has been practicing as a running back, looking at that as his potential NFL position. I mean, those are the kind of guys in college you pull for. So definitely wanted to highlight uh, to carry on Joyner. Um, and I think, yeah, going with South Carolina, going with the Gamecocks. Uh, I think it's important too. well, you know, in college football, except for the Big Ten this year, you don't have to disclose injuries. Big Ten, they're going to this year, but two hours before kickoff. So it's when they have to have the injury report in. Um, Anton Wells and Nick Harbour, he said they're good to go. Fully expect to see them on Saturday. That's a big deal for South Carolina. Um, you know, I tweeted this. I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but kind of five bold predictions, you know, in honor of Josh Pate uh, for the college football season. One of mine was that North Carolina and USC are going to suffer from the same thing, and that's having like a top two quarterback in the country and a defense is going to cause them to go under their win total. I think that starts on Saturday. Daniel, this is my WTF game of the week. Wrong team favored. I think South Carolina is the better team um, on both sides of the ball. I think they should be favored in this game. They are way deeper than North Carolina on both lines of scrimmage. North Carolina had a lot of top talent defensive players transfer out off of an already terrible defense. (laughs) Mm. Um, I think this could be Mac Brown's last year at North Carolina. Um, I just don't think, dude, he's been around a long time. He doesn't want to stick around for the changing landscape of college football. Why would you? Like, just live in Chapel Hill and be happy without having to deal with all the new changes in college football. Um, Yeah, I like North Carolina, excuse me, South Carolina to win this game. I think it'll be close, like three to seven points, but I do think the wrong team's favored here. I like South Carolina to win. We've talked about it in the offseason that sounds like play calling duties changed those last three weeks when they got those big wins over Tennessee and South Carolina. Um, And offense should look a lot better this year. I I think if we start to get a more consistent version of Spencer Rattler, this team has a higher ceiling than they've had. And I'm with you in that I also keep doubting South Carolina, although I did pick them to go over their win total this year at six and a half wins. Um, and Shane Beamer keeps proving me wrong. So I think this starts with an upset win in week one over North Carolina, um, big non-conference win and, uh, getting the season, getting the vibes right week one for the season for South Carolina. Important. Gotta, gotta think about the vibes. It's important when making vibes are very important, especially (laughs) early on. So important. Uh, if you can nail the vibes, you can nail the pick. So that put that on a t-shirt man that's get, get that on the wall <laughs> um let's go to happy valley this this is a fun out of conference matchup i wish the yeah. <laughs> wish one of the teams was better uh penn state and west virginia really fun out of conference matchup just cuz they're they're so close together similar to uh like west virginia and pitt um 
very close together, these two schools. Penn State, a 20-and-a-half-point favorite over West Virginia. Our biggest spread on here we're picking this week. It's a lot of points, Daniel. How much do you believe in Penn State? Yeah, I mean, I'm not as big of a, you know, Penn State apologist as you might be this year, but I certainly know that they are in the top three of the Big Ten teams, and those are three really good Big Ten teams. So I like they, – they could be – higher than three but anyways I think they're going to be a phenomenal phenomenal team this year um also lots of questions about West Virginia um you know they're they're one of these schools that's had to continue with transfer portal to bring in quarterbacks uh year after year I do know who's going to be running the rock and CJ Donaldson had a phenomenal year last year at least to start the year um, he had definitely great moments. So I like him uh, as a sophomore running back, number 12. I like like see how he runs the ball. He few few times I got to see him last year, a few games, he was just a difference maker. Um, that being said, I mean, there's just a deep, talented Penn State team that can beat you several different ways, whether it's on the ground, in the air, defensively. I, I like the line being 21 or 20 and a half. That leaves room for just the three touchdown win. Um, I don't think that's outlandish at all for this Penn State team. I think they should expect to win games like that against teams that are even better than West Virginia. So um, I'm laying the points. I like Penn State to win. They're at home. Um, my only question for you, Jacob, is how do you feel about this uniform matchup? What uniform is West Virginia wearing? That's the uh well they're on the road, see. so it's gonna be probably blue helmets, white jersey, blue pants. Because you know they've got those uh the yellow those like country roads uniforms that they wore last year or two years ago on the road. Was it last year they played on the road at Pitt? Yes, that they, they did. They play Pitt and Penn State this year. Yeah. Like Definitely Neil Brown, who's already on the hot for the seat. region, right there. Yeah, you're just like, dude, you're trying to get him fired at this point. <laughs> I mean, you're, like the Big Twelve schedule is going to be hard enough. Then you schedule those two games at a conference. That's that's a recipe to get fired. Um, <laughs> that being said, I, I do like the uniform matchup here. Uh, it should look really good. I, I'd love for it to be uh, blue helmet, blue pants for West Virginia, white jersey, and then Penn State the opposite. Of course, like the white helmet, white pants, blue jersey. That'll look really good um, in a matchup. So looking forward to that uniform matchup. Daniel, the the road to New Orleans starts on Saturday for Penn State. So, of course, I'm taking Penn State, lay the points. This is at least a three-touchdown game. I do think this is Neil Brown's last year at West Virginia. Um yeah, Penn State is just a way better football team. This is at least a three-touchdown game. Of course, I think they're going to end up being a top-four team in the country by year's end, but the secondary is ridiculous. The defensive line is deep. They've got an elite linebacker group. Like, I don't. This is not a good matchup for West Virginia. The defense at Penn State is elite. Um, this is an opportunity for Drew Alaric, you know, kind of similar to what we were talking about with, uh, with Washington. Like, get some reps – you know, put your name out there, show the Big Ten what's up, get, you know, 
get connections with your receivers against an actual opponent. So I don't see them letting up in this game. It's a power five opponent. So I think Penn State's at least three touchdowns better than West Virginia. So lay the points. Daniel, biggest game of the weekend. One of the biggest games of the entire season. I was going to say the whole season, man. It's up there. We're getting it Sunday night, September 3rd, standalone game in prime time. LSU, Florida State. This game was played in New Orleans last year, neutral site in New Orleans. We got neutral site in Orlando this year. LSU is a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Florida State and one of the elite uniform matchups of the year as well. Phenomenal uniform matchup. Uh, Daniel, one of the games of the year, man. We get it here in week one. Yeah, this one's great, and it's so funny because last year – They were on equal footing last year. I think they're on equal footing this year. Last year, both teams, you know, we we hadn't seen that shine of Florida State yet. We hadn't seen that they were going to be able to do what they need to do. This was a brand new coaching staff for LSU. We didn't know what Brian Kelly was going to do there. Uh, Jane Daniels, we just found out he was starting quarterback like 10 minutes prior to that. So it was just kind of like, what's going on? Who's doing what? And, um, you know, that first, you know, first half or so for – LSU, I remember, it was just very tough sledding for the receivers along, you know, along with Jaden Daniels, and it didn't feel like it was it was meant to be. Florida State had a week zero game that year. This was like they almost had like a preseason to get ready for it. They looked like the better team all the way up until the very end when LSU kind of looked like they figured out a little bit something to do on the offense. Come down, they lose by getting an extra point blocked, which was just – I mean, a heartbreaking way to lose if you're LSU, but both teams go on to have very, very good seasons. Um, I'm looking at something similar to happen this year. Maybe not a blocked extra point, maybe not a, um, you know, a game where I I think you're going to have two heavyweights playing two potential college football playoff teams squaring off in in week one. Um, You and I both have these – both teams, you know, in in big time postseason matchups, whether they're in the playoff or in, in a major bowl game. Um I think LSU I think LSU is deeper. And that would lead me down that path. But I still think Florida State might have a little bit better skill position and I think I trust Jordan Travis a little bit more than I do um, Jaden Daniels. And this game being – now, it didn't matter last year that it was in New Orleans. Like, that apparently didn't – you know, it, it didn't tip the scales, you know, at least to start with. This game is in Orlando. I don't think that that's going to tip the scales necessarily far into Florida State's favor or anything like that. It's not a home game. Uh, there will probably be more Florida State fans, as you would expect. But – yeah, I, I'm leaning Florida State here. They get two and a half points. I think they could outright win. You know, I don't. That would not surprise me if that happened. Usually, when something like that happens, I just want to go ahead and take the team that gets points if I think it's really that big of a toss up. But I think, I think Jordan Travis, this is his season. He's six year senior. He's had the COVID year. His development took a little longer. Um, because of just the nature of the position at quarterback, but I think he's a phenomenal 
college quarterback. I'm excited to see what he does this year. Launching off point for his Heisman campaign, Florida State outright wins, but I'll take the two and a half. This is a this is a perfect line. Like I think LSU should be favored, right? But by like it should be close to a pick'em. I, I like what you said. Th- these are just like last year. Both teams are coming into the game on similar footing. Like last year, it was just that, hey, hope is high, but we're still in this rebuilding phase. We don't know what's next. But, you know, both went on to have phenomenal years, way exceeding expectation. That's led to expectations being through the roof for both teams for year two, where both fan bases feel like they should be talked about to make the college football playoff. And they should be talked about to win their conference. And LSU, of course, played for a conference championship game last season. Um, Florida State did not, but, you know, of course, LSU did win a very hard division. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, Florida State's got Clemson in the division, but uh, <laughs> won't be a problem this year. Um, Florida State should expect to be in that ACC championship game this year. So this is a fun matchup. I like I like games like these because it's not about which team is better. It's about matchups in the field. Like, it's about winning individual matchups all over the field consistently. So when I look at this game, and this one I want to dive in a little bit further, like than the other ones, obviously it's the, it's the biggest game. But like when LSU is on offense, Florida State's got a first round talent at defensive end and Jared Verse, dude. LSU's got a phenomenal offensive line. Like I, I think that is a very, very evenly matched um, game. I, I think one lean would be. You know, if there are injuries in the game, dude, LSU's like eight deep at offensive line. I, I don't know if that second-level talent is there for Florida State, but it's week one. Um, like, running game, I do like – again, I lean LSU um, in that matchup, but it's pretty much a wash as far as the front seven of Florida State goes. I think where there is an advantage is LSU has one of the best wide receiver rooms in the country, and I think they're going to beat – Florida State secondary. As long as Jaden Daniels can find get the ball out quickly. And last year, did I tweeted during the game, the problem was Jaden Daniels was looking at his first read and then taking off running. And right. it cost him the game. He settled into the offense second half of the season. I also think Brian Kelly's not an idiot. And I, I mean, Garrett Nussmeyer is a very good quarterback. I think Jaden Daniels staying the starter is a good thing. I think that means he's progressed in like he's going to get them the best chance to win. In a game like this, when it's third and eight and the play breaks down, I like that Jaden Daniels can go get me eight yards and keep keep the drive going. Let's flip the field. And Florida State's on offense. I feel the same way about Jordan Travis that I feel about Jaden Daniels in that, look, he's got to find guys. But when it's third and eight and Harold Perkins comes after you, I think, I think he can get the eight yards when he needs to, um, yeah. which is huge. Again, I think a lean here in Florida State, you know, on offense is the LSU secondary is unproven. So right now I would lean Florida State's receivers, especially because they've got different body types at receiver. Like you get a Keon Coleman that's huge. He might come in and be the wide receiver one, even though you bring back Jared Wilson. Um, I do, though, lean that LSU's defensive line, even without Mason Smith, I think is going to get more wins against Florida State's offensive line than Florida State will against LSU's offensive line. And again, we're just talking about matchups. This is these are two very good teams. 
I like LSU to win. I'm going to go ahead and lay the points. Like, I think this is a field goal game. I think this is like a 34-31 classic game that we're going to get on Sunday night, which uh, we, I hope so. we all deserve. Yeah. <laughs> we all deserve that. What stinks is this is going to leave such a sour taste in the mouth of one of these fan bases. Um, dude, and then Florida State's got Clemson week four. So if they lose this game, like, what if they start two and two? Uh, I would caution everyone, like, hey, don't sell your stock if they start two and two because they can still go 10 and two and go in the ACC. <laughs> right. Um, schedule's definitely front loaded for Florida State. But um, yeah, I, I like LSU. I'm leaning LSU. I'm not going to be surprised at all if Florida State wins this game. Um, their top line talent matches up with LSU. And it's why I'm not picking them to go to the playoff, is I don't think they have the depth to go toe to toe all season. But week one, man, they, they can go toe-to-toe with LSU. Like, yeah. 100% they can. Um, I'll lean LSU, two and a half, small spread. I'll, lean, I'll go ahead and lay the points. Monday night, we got four four nights of games in a row. Uh, or is this five, no, five nights? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, five nights. I had to do the math. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Monday night, Clemson and Duke. Uh, Duke at home. Clemson, of course, coming in as a favorite to win the ACC. They get Garrett Riley. Clemson against Duke. What's the spread? 28 and a half. No, the spread is 12 and a half points for Clemson and Duke. Uh, where are you going in Durham? Yeah, it times have changed, haven't they? You know, you would look at this a couple years ago, slam dunk, four touchdown game, easy for Clemson. That's also, it's not only to be said of what's going on with Clemson, this is also Duke. Very much improved last year. Very proud of what they were able to do. Um, you know, winning was it nine games? Nine games when they beat UCF in the bowl game. So, um, you know, returning Riley Leonard quarterback always important. Um, you know, nine starters on offense, eight on defense. So I do think that that is going to kind of it's going to be good for continuity purposes going into this season. Obviously, Mike Elko in his first year last year, really revitalized this Duke program. Um, 12 and a half. I love the line because, shoot, I don't even have to have two full touchdowns if I'm Clemson. And I think that Garrett Riley coming in is going to be a big deal. I Kate Klubnick being quarterback one all offseason has been a very big deal because he's gotten some really good reps. You usually see the biggest growth between year one and year two. He did struggle when he played last year. He definitely looked like a freshman during the headlights. But, I mean, there's a reason he was such a high-touted recruit. And when you've been in a program for a year, you really do start to see a difference. I don't necessarily think he's going to be a Trevor Lawrence kind of guy. That's why he didn't pop in year one. But Kate Klubnick, I think, is going to have a good season. I like Will Shipley and Phil Moffa in that backfield. I think they're going to do big things. Um, and then, you know, defensively, I mean, we've talked about it. They're one of the best, uh, linebacking cores in the country. Uh, so I think when you actually look at the matchup itself, I think it's obvious Clemson wins. Uh, question is, do they win by, you know, enough points, 12 and a half, do they, do they cover? And I I don't really see a place where Clemson, you know, if, if Clemson, is going to get where they need to go this year. This is a game where they're going to capitalize and they're going to do it on a big stage. And, you know, um, Dabo is all about his style points. 
I think they're going to do it with some style. I think they're going to win by two, three touchdowns um, on Monday night. So uh, give me Clemson, lay the points. I'm with you. I, I was tempted to pick Duke here. Um, I think that the, I will be, I will take it as a very big deal if Clemson does not win and cover. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Look, it's I, telling. It's very telling. Like I, I've I've already been, you know, since the off season before 2021, like out on Clemson long term. Um, I thought that they made. I mean, Dabo made a brilliant move to fire Brandon Streeter and bring in Garrett Riley. He was the hottest name for offensive coordinator in the country. Um, and he brought him in to fix the offense. I thought that was, that's what elite coaches do. They fix the problem. Um, I know it's week one, but I think it will be telling if they don't come out and pummel Duke. I think they will. Yeah. They've got, they've got the talent to now they've got, you know, what everyone said is the best offensive coordinator. So, if it doesn't happen now, I think it's a bigger problem with Clemson, and I would sound the alarm. But I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm picking Clemson to win and picking them to cover. Uh, I think they do come out. The offense is, it's easy. These are college kids. Make it easier for them. Like balance the whole like you know, you got to develop from the NFL and like get the these pro style offenses. But dude, Garrett Riley was such a good play caller last year. Like he makes the reads easy. It's not a single read. It's two or three reads, but they're easy reads. Um, the plays don't take too long to develop, which was happening with Clemson a lot last year. Um, they developed very quickly, a lot of mesh, like uh, a lot of RPO, a lot of swing screens, which helps your quarterback get some confidence. I mean, dude, Garrett Riley put Max Duggan in New York last year. That, yeah, that in and of itself is special. <laughs> so um, let's see what he can do with the five-star quarterback. Cause that should be very exciting to watch. So, uh, I like Clemson to come in and win big again with a new offense. They don't start slow. This is a very important game. This is a conference matchup with a team that should be taken very seriously. That's why the spread's only 12 and a half. Um, they also get Florida State in week four. So I think they need as many reps on offense as they can. I don't see them pulling their starters in the third quarter, like in this kind of game. Even if they're up, I think they're getting reps in because they know they got a big game here in three weeks um, to prepare for it. So, I like Clemson to win. I like Clemson to cover. Dude, that felt good. <laughs> that, that was therapeutic. It's like the first sip of Dr. Pepper on a nice fall day. Like, oh, man. that It's going to feel a lot better when we watch games on Saturday. Because like this past Saturday just felt fake. It felt like, it's to, to use your Dr. Pe- your Dr. Pepper reference, it was like, is this, like, is this the Publix brand? Like, yeah. is this like Dr. Thunder? Like Dr. Yes. Zevia. Uh it tasted almost like a like Dr. K, but it was in a two liter that was already opened last night. Oh man. You know, and you're Ooh. just like, I mean, I'll drink it, but I'm not gonna be like it's here and excited I'm excited you know. about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's more Dr. Pepper references. Um yeah, so th- we'll this get is sponsored the real thing. eventually. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. Um we get the real thing this week. So very excited to watch some games. Be sure to follow us on social at the Extra Point Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can follow Daniel on Twitter at Deep South Daniel. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Carnes with a K. That'll do it for this edition of the Extra Point. He is Daniel. I am Jacob. See you.